and welcome to episode 217 of Effect, Paying the Piper. I'm Dave. And I'm Matthew. And we have a, well, Less well packed than usual. <laughs> Less well packed than usual. Uh, we've, got, we've got some news, uh, obviously, from uh, the world of gaming. Um, but not as much again. In, uh, announcements seem to be relatively quiet, at least announcements and stuff that we're interested in. And then we've got the article I promised uh, a couple of weeks ago. Some weeks which ago, is, yeah. Some weeks ago, yes. Which is looking at um, uh, what we charge as creators on community content mm. and making a plea that we should be charging maybe a bit more. <laughs> uh, okay. and then, so well done for just completely destroying your piece now because they now know what the conclusion is. Yeah, so, yeah. So, if you don't care about that, you can turn off in about half an hour. <laughs> we've well, done the world of gaming, and you know the knowledge there. But no, you should listen to my cogent and well thought out article. Um, and you know, if you listen, then Dave gets to eat. That's <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes, that's exactly right. If you don't listen, I don't eat for a week. Which some yeah. people, if they've seen me recently, would probably think. It's probably a good thing. Probably a good idea. How much weight Shut I'm carrying up. at the moment, which is not great. Anyway, yes. So, um, yes, I obviously want to be able to eat and all the other things that I can use money for, of course. It always, always, we, it always, it always strikes me as funny, and and I know I know why people say, it, but when someone says, I, I, "I'm got you know, I've got to be able to put food on the table," and every time hmm. I hear that, I just think, "Well, use a plate." I just get this <laughs> image of. Food smeared over tabletops. And I know that's being very flippant for um for what people are saying when they say they need to put food on the table. But um, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, but, you, but, have you ever heard that song by John Finnemore called "I Want It on a Plate"? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's I, uh, it's railing at going to those sorts of restaurants and pubs that serve food in interesting themed slates of yeah 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 yeah. Uh, any, any, any fish laugh. bowls and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can uh, find a link and send it to you. And I'll, if I find a link, I'll put it on the show notes. Now we've mentioned it. I just want to say though, um, this program is brought to you by our lovely patrons, of which we don't have any new ones, but uh, all our existing ones continue to fund the hosting and everything, and we love them dearly. So a big shout out and a thank you to you all. And we love all the patrons who are no longer patrons dearly as well, obviously, for the support they have given us in the past and hope that they come back at some point in the future. Yeah. But, yeah. but if, so they, if, but if they give up patronage, if, then if they don't, then we still love them for, we for still their love support you. over the years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That is very generous hearted of you. Lots of gratitude from over here. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so sh let's get on with the world of gaming. Yeah. Well, what's the first thing you want to talk about then, Matthew? Should we go straight to? Uh, I don't know. If it, Evil is it, genius. Is it bad? Evil news? genius it's, and it's, rebel moon. It's not I, good news. I have no it, idea. I. Uh, it's, it's unpleasant news, perhaps. Yeah, it's unpleasant. I. Uh, I'm not sure there are any winners in this, uh, or there are going to be any winners, I should say. But I think it's interesting that a games publishing company is suing a major brand in the work production of content and that's netflix who of course are producing um i want to say baz Luhrmann, but i don't mean baz Luhrmann at all do zach, i zach snyder 
Zack Snyder, that's it. <laughs> Baz Luhrmann's Rebel Moon would have been an entirely different film. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon is coming to Netflix quite soon. It's kind of, or I say kind of, I believe it may even have officially been a script that Zack Snyder and treatment that script that, that Zack Snyder sent to uh, Disney for, for Star Wars, Star Wars to uh, yeah. Lucasfilm. And then it got rejected by those guys. And uh, he thought, well, I can make it myself. Um, so Rebel Moon looks like, if you've seen the trailers, it looks like quite an exciting kind Star Wars kind of film. Um, and apparently Evil Genius, friends of the show, remember Dave, Evil Genius, because we've had Dave Scott on the show Indeed. when he first set the company up, uh, got the license for, for the game. And we're very excited by it. Um, I've done it a lot of work seemed to on be it. Yeah. A lot of work. It seemed to be. So they explained their business model when Dave was on the show, which is they've got a 5e, or effectively um, D20 modern, slightly 5e-fied uh, rule set called Everyday Hero. And then there's source books for each of the licenses that they uh, go out and get. So you've yeah. got Crow source book, you've got a Pacific Rim source book. Yeah. Like that. Escape from New Ooh. York. And yeah, there's, I mean, there's yeah. loads. There's loads. But All good fun. N nothing so far has appealed to me particularly um, or would draw me to a D20 based system uh, to play it. But, you know, I like the fact they're out there and they're doing that. And they had, uh, you know, Rebel Moon, which I imagine is going to be on the same lines. I can't imagine it's not going to be Everyday Heroes as the base system. But it wasn't just a source book. It looked like being two or three source books. Um, one of the points of contention is a sort of world Bible they had built. Well, I think there were, there, were, there, were, there were three books, weren't there? So there was basically a player's guide, a GM's guide, and then this world source Bible. Yeah, I'm not sure so, that that World Source Bible was actually intended for publication. No, I think this was something they created during the creative process, which went yeah. be went beyond what they'd originally been commissioned to do. But I guess, you know, when you're doing these kind of things and you're being creative, you do, you know, you do stretch yeah. in, into new areas. And then putting that into one book seems like a pretty sensible idea to me. Yeah. So I think, I think they might have liked to have published it if they thing had continued but they've lost the contract for or they've lost the license for it netflix say that's because of a breach of confidentiality i don't think anybody really knows what might have breached that confidentiality there have been some photo shoots and things like that um but nothing I, that i mean sounded the, totally from, revealing no exactly I mean, from the tiny from the tiny bits i've been able to read um it seems that these breaches of confidentiality are really minor as far as I can mm. tell. I mean, basing yeah. this on, on not much information, but it just feels that you know, they, they may be you know, de facto breaches of the contract, but it feels like they are exceedingly minor ones. And it, perhaps Netflix are using them as an excuse. Um, you know, and maybe technically within the, the, the terms of the contract, that's excuse enough. You know, maybe that is technically yeah. you know, sound under the contract. Um, but it does feel a bit, like a overreaction, if that is the reason why they are they've cancelled the contract with Evil Genius. So it suggests there's something else going on, I guess. Yeah, I think that, I think that the whole story has not come out. Netflix have said pretty much nothing. So the only side of the story we've heard, including 
these might be the breaches of confidentiality we did yeah. come from Evil Genius. So there's probably more to come out. And I guess if it doesn't get settled outside court, it will it will come out in court in America at mm. some point, and then we can all um, rake over the uh, uh, rake over the details. But I just thought it's interesting. There's a sense I thought, you know, it's, it's it, normally a like when Disney um, took Marvel superheroes away from Margaret Weiss Productions, that was it. It just went, and there yeah. was no recourse. And, you know, there was. I'm sure Margaret Weiss Productions went, "Oh, that's a bit shit," uh, and I'm sure a load of fans said much the same. But there was nothing, nothing they could do. And here now we've got a games company uh, taking them on. Now, you remember, Evil Genius is the first games company that is backed as a money-making enterprise, as a, um, you know, venture capital-backed yeah. uh, company. Dave, Dave Scott admitted to us that he was an investor before he was kind of geek. He wasn't, you know, he's not somebody that came into the industry as most of us have done by playing the games and wanting no. to publish their ideas. So, you know, if you, if you've got that kind of very financial, um, uh, very financial that approach to the business, behind you, yeah. then, you know, you, you see it as a business transaction and I don't know which side was, is going to turn out to be the one that made the wrong, but there's no reason why the, they shouldn't take um, Netflix to court if they feel, They've been wronged, so we will watch that with some interest. I mean, it's it's interesting because they've obviously put a lot a lot of work into this. The books, mm. if they're not completed, are pretty much completed. So you know the work has been done. Now I don't know whether they got any kind of you know upfront compensation for doing that as part of the contract with Netflix. So yeah, I mean one I of the snippets I heard was that Netflix had offered them a fifty thousand dollar ex gracia payment for that world book. Yeah. Um which I think was interesting. Uh actually. Uh and it reminds me, just touching on ancient history, that when West End Games got the license for Star Wars, they massively expanded the Star Wars universe. In a way that became canon. So stuff that yeah. first appeared in West End Games is now part of the universe. Is featured in, um, you know, in things like Ahsoka that we've just been watching mm. and all the recent stuff and in the novels and things like that. So, um, so you know, maybe there's value in that in that world book that they'd created uh, for, for Rebel Moon that could equal that in terms of being full of ideas that might turn up in subsequent in, films and TV yeah. shows. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, how much involvement or clout does Zack Snyder have in all this? Because I, I know that Zack Snyder has been involved in some of the promotions over the, the last year or two. Yeah. Um, whether there, I don't know, could there be something that, you know, this has taken the canon in such a direction that he hates and Netflix have pulled the plug on his behalf? Or, I don't know. I mean, I'm, again, I'm spitballing here now. Yeah, but, um, I don't know. I mean... Uh, I can't he, believe it that seemed if like Zack he was Snyder... supportive. It was supportive yeah. of this whole thing, you know, and supportive of it enough to turn up in person to promotional events and things. Um, and one feels that if he has power over this thing, they can just say, "I hate that. That's a stupid idea. Don't do that. Take it out." Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, because because he owns the IP and the ultimate. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we shall. Um, 
We shall wait and see. Uh, have we got more positive news? More positive news. We've got more positive news. How long, Dave, have you been waiting for the final? Well, I don't know whether it's the final, but for the long promised mutant Ad Astra, the core book, because all the mutant books are core books, but also the supplement because they all join together and it expand the universe of mutant year zero. Um, that supplement, mutant Ad Astra. How long have you been waiting, Dave? So I just went down too many different. Um, <laughs> As you always do. There. Got yeah, totally yeah. Lost. We're we're now in a in a in a warren of 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 your I don't know of thoughts, which is quite <laughs> terrifying, frankly. Um, so I I kind of many years ago I'd sort of given up any thought that I would ever see it. It really. would never appear. <laughs> um, not for any particular reason, I guess, just because there was so much other stuff going on, and um, you know, although they had said a couple of times they had plans for Mutant Year Zero. You know, you know, three years ago, uh, nothing ever really seemed to come of it. And I guess, as in, as in best free league kind of um, tradition, they they don't tell anybody about it until it's there. And so yeah. it's kind of been been nothing. And oh, you can pre-order and get the PDF straight away. So yeah. um, it's obviously been on their radar for a long time. And maybe maybe this is a deliberate thing to be able to throw out things that are a bit of a shock and a surprise to. To make a bit of a splash, so yeah, I mean, I was I was thinking about it. when I first saw it, it kind of went in one ear and out the other because I haven't again I haven't looked at Mutant Year Zero for such a long time, haven't played it for ages. Ah, but I did. I was thinking about it earlier today, and I thought, why why have I allowed this to kind of wash over me without really registering? Because Mutant Year Zero is the game that got me into free league in the first place. It's the game that brought us to Coriolis. It's the game that brought us to the podcast. It's the game that brought me to Alien. It's the game that's made me into a, a writer, you know, and game designer. So I owe it a huge debt of gratitude. Because um, without that, and without that December trip to Orcs Nest in 2015, whenever it was, and, oh, I'll give that a bash, um, none of this would have happened. You bought two zombie games in that. I did. Or two post-apocalyptic. Uh, Fuck it. Thank you. Uh, you bought two such games. One of them we don't care about. We don't. I, I can't even recall what it is. And the other one has changed our lives, Dave. Even yeah. though I've never played it. Yeah, completely. So, um, yes, I'll definitely be pre-ordering, and I'm tempted. I might, I might get myself a reprint of Mutant Year of the main Mutant Year Zero. I won't get a reprint of all of them. Um, that would be a bit excessive. But uh, no, but it is good news because. Very often we have been selling a little paltry stock of some Mutant Year Zero stuff at some of the shows where we've been representing Free League. And then loads of people say, oh, why haven't you got Mechatron or yeah. Lab Alpha? Or, you know, sometimes we've got five five Genlab Alpha books, but then they'll sell out and people will say, you know, where are those coming from? So a reprint of all of that, I think, is good news for yeah. people that like to buy from us at conventions. Yes, and I think also it's it's a... It's it's a very good return to okay. I know Mutant Year Zero isn't their IP, but it feels like their IP, um, mm. and it feels much more like <clears throat> you know their their bag than you know the other big IPs are obviously not their IP. So it's a nice return to that that area where I think they could perhaps do you know do a little bit more, be a bit more creative with it than you can with things like Alien and Blade Runner and Walking yeah. Dead and stuff. 
which is yeah. great, which is great. Which I think, um, you know, was evidenced actually in Mutant Year Zero. That was a very different take on the world of Mutant, which I'm sure would never have happened if they said, we want to do the same thing to Alien. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and it's and, it, and then it spawned, uh, you know, a, a computer game based on their version of Mutant. And then that spawned a skirmish game, not by them, based on their version of Mutant. So uh, they've been the West End games of Star Wars, basically, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. But I think it's, yeah, it's an inter- it's an interesting one. And it, it does give us a nice kind of, you know, the circle is now complete. Um, yes. Where they're coming back to one of the games that, that really launched them in the first place. Um, which is cool. I really like that. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be going for the pre-order. You know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, I've had GenLab Alpha and Mechatron and um, oh, what's the other one called? I've got there. Uh, Elysium for uh, for some time, and I've only ever run a Mutant Year Zero campaign. I've never run a campaign with the others. You know, and again, it all comes down to too many games, not enough time. But mm. I would, I would very much like to. Uh, to do that, you know, and this is perhaps a uh, a prompt in the right direction for me for me to do that. But also taking taking Year Zero into orbit, which Ad Astra does, um, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. I like, well, it's interesting actually. If you go back to the days of Cyberpunk twenty twenty, hey, I think I was going to head in the same direction. Carry yeah, on, we, Dave. We used to play quite a lot of that. Um, I ran it. I ran it for a long time. Love it. You know, love Cyberpunk. Um, that came up with oh I've got the thing on the shelf somewhere if I can find it but near got the, orbit near orbit yeah so you got the orbital yeah. um, expansion and I took the game into orbit and it, it it was never quite the same I don't think the orbital part of the campaign worked mm. in the way that I wanted it to and it felt less like cyberpunk for doing yeah. so I wonder whether Ad Astra runs the risk of doing something similar. Mm, that's interesting. That I I really enjoyed the near orbit supplement, um, and actually, one I was going to say that flicking through the you know the images that they've shared on um, their press release, which we'll link to or the website. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there were some evolved monkeys yeah. in orbit, which is one of the things I love best about um, near orbit, where there were evolved monkeys i believe um and monkeys were very much enjoying zero grav gravity yes. environments yeah. with their big feet hmm. um and prehensile um tails. i say monkeys yeah. i mean apes obviously because they didn't have prehensile tails that's the point of an evolved ape the one well mon- monkeys have prehensile tails but apes don't yes but these characters were apes because i don't think they had tails yeah that's what i'm saying yeah. But I think, you know, it's good, though, because obviously you can, if you've got characters from Mutant Year Zero, Gen Lab Alpha, Mechatron, or Elysium, you can take them all into orbit. Yeah. You know, and then that's, uh, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, it would be really cool to do a campaign of each of them. And at the end mm-hmm. of that campaign, allow the players to choose whichever character they like the most out of all of those and do a campaign in Ad Astra with those characters. Yeah. So I mean, there see- is one campaign that does that already, isn't there? The Grey, Grey Wastes or something, I think. Is was uh 
was a campaign that came out saying your characters from all these can join together for this. Yes, adventure. absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's the um, that's the point of having the supplemental books that they all basically become one in effect. Yeah. Um, which is great. But yeah, I mean, obviously, what you can't do is take your mutant user character and run them through the printed campaign in Mechatron, because the no. printed campaign in Mechatron is all about the robots escaping from the yes. Mechatron and finding the surface and all the rest of it. So there's um, you would have to play a robot in that campaign. But then if you played a robot in that campaign, an animal in Gen Lab Alpha, uh, you know, somebody from Elysium in the Elysium campaign, and a mutant in Mutant Year Zero, then you choose your favourite of those four characters once you've gone through all those campaigns and then play Ad Astra. I guess yeah. that's, where, that's where I was coming from. Yeah, It'd be a long campaign. It would. But it would. Nothing wrong, so- nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, it, and, you know, as long as we've got time to play it. Uh, I'll well, tell you, just a little aside, I've um, been converting my son's old bedroom into a, uh, well, general general studio space for me to practice my guitar in loudly mm. um, away from the neighbours because it's the other side of the house on the uh, detached yeah. side. Uh but also um, to have space to store all my RPGs for the first time in yeah. one place and not scattered in uh, uh-huh. other people's bookshelves. So does that become um, the gate? Does that become the gaming room then when we come round? Well, I think we'll still use the dining room as the gaming right. room. Right. Okay. Because uh, I've got a bigger table there, whereas I've got yeah. a little desk there that I'm going to be using, but not enough all to sit round, and also yeah. loads of guitars and shit, which. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, which occupies space. Um, where am I going with this? Oh, yeah. So I was put all these games on the table, and I've not got a massive collection. I don't think I've got as many video. I sorry for video role playing games as you've got. Um, I don't think I've got a massive collection either, actually. But I've I've, I've got a, a wall full. Yeah. Um, but compared, to like I think you're saying you're saying somewhere else compared to some of you know. Our our um our patrons and our other patrons, people we've seen like, like some um, of them their collections are much bigger than ours they're enormous yes. you know yeah but yeah but even then I was thinking as I put all these on the shelf I was thinking I'm never going to get to play this am I I'm mm. never going to get to play this one yeah and um you know and in that there's some that I really wanted to play at the time when I bought it and I'm now going to go I'm going no I'm never yeah. going to get to play it. And yeah. there are some that I really still want to play. And I'm thinking, how am I going to make that happen? I can't see a way of making it happen. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's that was a little aside. What's what's next in the world of gaming? I've forgotten entirely the running order. So, what do we so have? you you wanted to talk about neoclassical geek revival, <laughs> which yeah. I know absolutely nothing about. So I'm preparing to go for. Okay. Before and sound surprised. Um, this it's funny. Do you know how, how, that, how that one throwaway line from I don't know like eighteen months ago has now become kind of my tagline for the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, it was not from eighteen months ago. It was uh, last. It was, while, it was, it was last December or January or when whenever yeah. Enworld do the voting. It was a comment when we were was nominated it, okay. for yeah, yeah, Enworld's right. favourite. Um, favorite podcast competition right. and it's why we're not somebody's favorite podcast dave so you know because i go for and i'm surprised 
Yeah, that's so all right. you do. That's all you do. You take no interest in role-playing games apart where outside your very little selection of role-playing games, apparently. Um, Indeed. So let that be your shame. Now, Neoclassical <laughs> Geek Revival is a game that my old boss, you remember a few years ago, a couple of years ago, I used to work at the game shop in Aldershot and I'd did, did, bring did it you? up and every, yeah. Uh, episode, I don't remember, I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I did. And, you know, it, I oh, wow. tried to keep quiet about it because I didn't want to give them, you know, free advertising. <laughs> um, but at that time, my boss's favourite game, which I never got to play with him because he, he had a group already. And very often I was working in the shop when he was playing upstairs with uh, with his group. But the game he kept going on about and was called Neoclassical Geek Revival. And uh, they've, they're a, it's a Canadian game. I think I think most of the people behind it are Canadian. They did a Kickstarter for it about a year ago, and um, you know, generally, like many of these Kickstarters, you can't get hold of it unless you live in Canada. Um, and of course, a lot of our patrons live in Canada, so uh, Canada. So, so check it out, guys. It's an old school rules game, but a lot more player focused than than old school D&D was so it's an interesting mix of slightly um modern philosophies and old school rules i'd say um yeah. anyway dave loves it kept going on about it uh, and now he has become the uk distributor for it so the game shop in order shot has got a big stock of that and um i was in there today playing lex arcanum uh, and they pointed it out to me and i thought we haven't got much content for the world of gaming. So uh, so here we are in the world of gaming. Talking okay. about neoclassical geek revival. Uh, that's okay. all I wanted to say, really. It's available <laughs> in the UK um, and obviously in Canada where it's been available since they did the Kickstarter, I guess. Okay, cool. I can't offer anything and I'm, I'm trying no. not to act surprising before. Uh, yeah, no, break, no, break, no, break the stereotype here. Yeah, um, you're you're being very restrained. I know um, nothing about it. I've you... never played it, so um, yeah. Well, okay, well, well, me neither. Good stuff for those people who are interested in neoclassical Greek revival. Um, yeah, cool. Crack on. Okay, now there's something I, I again I wasn't interested in the Kickstarter. I think I might even have um, looked at it and decided that's not for me. But I played it, and again, it was some. We've already mentioned him as being a great collector of role-playing games. Uh, Paul, one of our patrons, who's got a big collection, and included in that is Household. And I just wanted to say, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> okay, why why is it so brilliant? Well, well done. Well done there for... Uh, uh, for saving, not for, quoting for, the, the whole for, word. For maintaining so, the, the family nature of our podcast, you mean? And now, not saying fucking like you did. Did you play a game with me and Paul that was based on, what was it called? Uncharted? No, not Uncharted. That's a video game. Broken Compass. Do you play Broken Compass with me and Paul? I don't think I did, no. Okay, right. So I played that first of all with Paul some time ago. And Broken Compass is a game from Two Little Mice, and Two Little Mice are an Italian RPG house that, yep. with Broken Compass, were working with uh, Cool Minis or Not, I think. Um, and so that came out from them. They fell out with Cool Minis or Not, and I'm not entirely sure what that 
that split was. But Broken Compass is um, is now kind of called Minis or Knots. But the guys from Two Little Mice have taken that system and they've reused it in, for example, Outgunned, which I did actually back. Right. Um, and also this one, Household, which I didn't back at the time. Um, but I kind of wish I had now because I enjoyed it playing it with Paul that much. Mm. Um, and the concept of Household is, I guess, I was going to call it the borrowers in Regency times, uh, but that probably doesn't have, the borrowers probably doesn't have a big recognition brand with our international audience. Uh, it's about little people who lived in a house and it's not like we're talking about little people living in a house in Regency times. It's that we're talking about a Regency style culture of little people who live in a big house where, you know, different rooms in the house are effectively different countries in the house and the little people in one room, you know, will, will go on an expedition uh, to another room uh, up the wooden <laughs> stairs to Bedfordshire sort of thing. Uh, and the culture is very much, I mean, you know, there were, there were people called D'Arcy and Elizabeth in, in the adventure we played, which is uh, one of the pre-published adventures. And so there's a very much a sort of Jane Austen feel around it as well. I played a effectively Spanish, effectively fencer uh, uh, with great bravado uh, in this game. But we we had a great game where um, uh, the dancing mice of a of a particular country, which are like the Austrian dancing horses that they have in, I think it's the Spanish dancing school they have in Vienna. Uh, and these dancing mice had been eaten by something, I think is what we discovered in the end. Oh, spoilers. Yep. Forget I said that. <laughs> anyway, we were investigating that thing. Um, there's a slightly uh, pre, um, pre-revolutionary France, a slightly oppressive royal regime as well, which was interesting. It's a, Basically, I think what I'm saying is it's a lot deeper than I thought it was going to be when I read the description on Kickstarter yeah. and decided not to go for it. And there's this incredible depth to this world. And and I think because of that incredible depth, there's like three books in the set and they're quite expensive. So, you know, it's quite an investment to make if you're going to get into it. But I think when it... I, I can't find a place where you can pre-order it, but I don't think it's come out. I think it's come out to backers. It hasn't yet come out to... Uh, if you look on Kickstarter, it's got a pre-order here button. I haven't clicked it. So you yeah, but to... if you press that, it says pre-orders have been disabled. Ah, right. Okay. So Fair enough. That's not yeah. where to go. I think somebody like Tuesday Night Games or somebody might be distributing it in America. We'll try and find another, a better um, link uh, uh, for link. the show notes. Okay. So, uh, to do that. so but, the borrowers, which yeah. I'm, you know, I'm aware of, you know, the people in the borrowers were what? Three or four inches tall. There are, yeah. There are a size whereby you know a normal human could see them. Is that the same in this case? Because I mean, if if a if a room is is basically a a country, um, if a country, a city, yeah. How I think how, we're smaller how than little, that. Even. How little are these? Are they are they like microscopic, or um, I I would worry less about the practicalities. Yeah. 
Because uh, I was exactly. I, I, I was just looking but at the old Kickstarter that... thing, and it looks it looks quite cool. But some of the things that they were looking at on here that I was seeing, you had you had a you had a a place that they called um, Chesterfield, and mm. that was the living room where obviously you've got a Chesterfield sofa, and then you've yeah. got Beddingham, which is obviously the bedroom. Now I was yeah. thinking, you know, if if they're the size of borrowers, then the Chesterfield sofa is just going to be like a large building. So it kind yeah. of makes the country thing a bit redundant, almost. But so no, I was just interested to. I think they're to, a bit smaller than that, but I don't know yeah. whether I. I think you know potentially you know because we're all fairy folk effectively. Um, yes. And that's the other thing to say. But it so doesn't really matter. Seem to, to be the story. just yeah. miniature humans, whereas these all seem to be sort of inspired by different sorts of fairies. Yeah. Uh, so right. uh, so a little bit of that in it, okay. and yeah. Um, so, you know, a staircase, we, we, we had to climb the wall of a staircase, uh, to, to get into our adventure and then go into the walls and the borrowers of course live in the walls and famously they live in the walls and the, the space between the walls is a kind of uh, no go zone for us little people in, um, in household. So, right. um, you know, that's dark, 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 mysterious stuff goes on there as was the end of the adventure when we had to go into the walls. But, mm. yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Um, we it's were very nice slightly time-limited. So, yeah. yeah, and it looks gorgeous. And as I say, the detail that's gone into this world is worth, I think, every penny you'll pay for it, even though I'm yeah. not quite sure how much you'll pay for it, and I think it's quite a lot. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So if you've got time in your life to play more games, then I think Household is one I'm going to recommend. <laughs> yes, if you've got space for another game, go for that one. Okay, cool. Yeah, it certainly looks lovely. It looks lovely, looking at the um, the Kickstarter page. Right. Uh, is that all? God, I'm, I'm really slacking on the news today. Um... So, well, I think we've got something coming up over the next few weeks. Um, uh, first yes. and foremost, I mean, we did mention it before, but um, you are off to Essen this this week coming, uh, where where you are in charge. Um, I'm yes, as you in, as you like to point out, as, well. as you like to point out I, to anybody. My name's Matthew. You just and pointed I'm out to me. I I wasn't going to mention charge. <laughs> Matthew in charge. Tyler Jones. So um, yes, yes. So you've got Essen coming up. Very exciting. I I can't. I couldn't go because I've got a. I'm going to the American football in London instead, which I'd already pre pre booked. But um, yeah, did, did anything you want to tell us about Essen? Are you going to the American football in London? Because one of the challenges I've got is um, the trains aren't running on the day that well, I need to go to Essen. Well, I don't know whether the trains are running yet or not um, for that day. It's if not, I I I've got a a lovely a lovely lovely friend who's a taxi driver um, who. Ah. It would be expensive, but the tickets are fucking expensive anyway. But so yeah, I might I might consider seeing if he'd be available to drop us off and pick us up. Uh, so I've had to. It's only Tottenham, this... so it's not the further. It's not the longest journey in the world. Oh, right, that's good. I've had but to it, um, get myself it is a, a Sunday, yeah, a hotel room so that I can be at the airport in time. And as Thanks you might to... imagine, hotel rooms in London when there's a train strike are considerably more expensive than days when there isn't a train strike. Yeah. That's what I've discovered. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, moving on. 
so so I imagine our next episode will be uh, my adventures in Essen. Hopefully, a little bit more. Um, At least we'll definitely be talking the... about your your your, yeah. your fun in, in 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 Essen, of course. Yeah. Um, but then um, at the end, end of the month, a few weeks after that, we have got a first for you and yes. I, and a first for the podcast, and a first for Free League, which is we are going to be at the um, MCM Comic Con mm. uh, convention at the XL on the weekend of. Uh, does it start on the Thursday? Or does it start on the front? I'm not sure. The 26th or 27th it's... of October for the weekend. Last yeah, I think October. we're there on the Thursday because obviously you're setting up, but I don't think it starts until Friday morning. Does it? Okay, yeah. I haven't looked at it in great detail yet. But yeah, so yeah, that'll be interesting. So not having been to Comic-Con before, in, a, in mm. any sense actually, either as a, a punter or as a, a conventionist, a conventionista, um, it'll be yeah, interesting it'll to be see a new experience how, for us. Um, and you might... How well you know the reception we get, actually. Yeah, I. You might think uh, Comic Con. What's that got to do with role playing games? But Critical Role are going to be there, and I think they may even be rec- doing a live show mm. um, there as well. And in fact, we have a mission, don't we, Dave, for, from Free League, is we have to persuade somebody from Critical Role to take Dragonbane away with them. Uh, yeah, which I'm sure we'll do because it's a great game. It might not uh, take too much persuasion to give them a freebie, might it? <clears throat> no, no, no. But to just make sure the right person with critical role yes, takes it, because yeah. they may have loads of hangers-on who just go, oh, yeah. Matt Mercer's not going to be interested in Dragonbane, and uh, he never sees her. So have to try and get it direct to Matt or or one yeah. of the others. Um, I'm sure we can. So, yeah, that. that's, that's going to be exciting and new for us, and we are going to be running Dragonbane there, aren't we? We will. Yeah. Um, so uh, we are, we'll have demos of Dragon Bane throughout the weekend. So um, yeah, if anyone's going, and then, we yeah, will, I think, um, be selling all the IPs. So uh, you know, the one thing you can say about comics is there are comics about Alien. So I'm sure we're going to sell a shed load of Alien role playing games, um, and 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 other ones as well. Blade Runner. There are comics about that too. So. I'm sure we'll sell a bunch of those. But it's going to be an interesting new audience for us. Mm, absolutely. We're not yeah, doing any um we're not doing any seminars or anything like that with this one. No. We're, we're really testing the water and trying yeah. to sell stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it should be good. So, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. That's the end of the world of gaming. Uh do you want to listen to me talking about what I said I concluded before? Yeah, well, it's an important thing, I think, isn't it? I mean, the community content and how much we all charge for it or get paid for it or should get paid for it or the attitudes towards paying for it, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important, actually, in, in, in many ways. But let's let's say what you're you spoiling my conclusion. It. That's my conclusion. You've spoiled it again. It's really that, what, important. That it's important. <laughs> well, we know it. I think we know it's important. People like me <clears throat> particularly think it's important. But yeah, let's. Uh, I'll shut up and let's listen to, to your thoughts. A few weeks ago, we talked about the N-World survey on pay rates for RPG writers. Dave, I think, was reasonably pleased that he's not being ripped off by the companies he is working for. But given he is trying to write full time, I'm sure he would like a little more. 
When we discussed this last time, Dave and I suggested us gamers should probably be willing to pay more for the books we buy. Given I've been spending a good deal of time yesterday, when I should have been writing this, building a new set of shelves and consolidating my games collection on them, I can only agree. My collection is relatively modest compared to many I have seen, but there are books I have spent good money on, which I am sure I will never get to play because I am getting such good value out of the other books in my collection. Maybe we should buy fewer books, but spend more on each. There is a challenge though. Would that money actually reach the starving artists and writers behind the words and pictures? For many of us, RPG writing is a hobby, a side hustle alongside a day job that brings in enough money to eat. I know the thrill of seeing my own name in print feels reward enough. So why pay Dave a living wage when there are hundreds of writers, almost as good, who will work for much less, or even for free? I engaged with one commenter, Von Ether, on the N-World article, a writer who said, When I was a freelance copywriter journalist with friends in the industry, two things stopped me from trying to get into game writing. One is obvious, even in my lean years. The pay, and the time to get paid, made no sense. Lean years became the norm, and I'm a nurse now, and community content popped up. My portfolio of five-star reviewed community content got me a few professional gigs, but it's all a sideline. He wrote more than that, but as I told him, it made me wonder if we, community content creators, should declare our per-word earnings from what we put up for sale. I have long railed against people putting stuff up for free or pay what you want as it undervalues the work, but I would be interested to see what we have earned per word at the prices I have set. Now, that was idle speculation, but further down the thread, another commenter said, All I know is that I want it now and I want it cheap or I'm not interested. There's so much free stuff out there that paying for RPG material isn't really necessary. And that got my back up. The sense of um, entitlement expressed is sad, but not one word he said is wrong. There's loads of stuff available for free, some of it even good. We community content creators have collectively built an RPG economy that depresses the earnings for creators and builds an expectation that there is an audience who deserve free stuff. So I thought, I have a few reasonably successful community content books. What would I have earned from those if I was selling them by the word? I did a very simple calculation. How much have I earned from each publication since I put it out, divided by the number of words I wrote? And the first thing I noticed was, I have enough in my account to buy a new guitar I've had my eye on. And I thought, was out of my budget. But after a few moments thinking about that, I got to work and calculated that I had earned six cents a word on summer in December 
my this an adventure. I'm going to talk in dollars and cents here because that is the lingua franca of drive-through economics. Now, it's taken three years to get that six cents a word, during which I've sold 291 copies, priced at $3.99. But of course, taking part in drive-through sales as well. And of course, I've sold a few more copies since I made that calculation. The longer it's on sale, the six cents will creep up to seven and so on. My calculation takes no note of that, and so it's not a model that will impress an actuary or a bank in a business case. By the way, I wrote about 8,500 words for that. In contrast, I wrote far fewer words for the Coriolis calendar, just 2,500, and we sold more, 394 so far. Due to excellent pricing advice from my artist partner, we sell that at $5, splitting the earnings 50-50. And I earned 17 cents a word on that. If I take only drive-through income, I earned 1.9 cents a word on the siren. 5,500 words, $106 on 448 sales at just 50 cents a sale. But that's okay because Free League paid me to write that and that's reflected in the price. With the money they gave me, it would be more like 11 cents a word. But the siren teaches us two very important lessons. Firstly, lower cover price does not massively boost sales. Yes, it's my biggest selling title, but it's only about 80 more units sold than the calendar which cost 10 times as much. If low price drove sales, I'd want to see 3,000 sales, not 400 odd. Secondly, that 50 cents was meant to cover my outlay on art. The siren has a cover from John Salquist, who also did the calendar, but this time on a work for hire basis, rather than the profit split. Plus interior art for my son, who I pay to teach him never to work for free. What I've earned in two years does not cover what I paid. So that 1.9 cents is actually nothing. Similarly, I did all the layout for the siren and for summer in December, plus some cartography in the siren and some very basic art in summer, all effectively for free if we're only counting words. And a number of people, including patrons of the show, chipped in with free proofreading, which means that my readers are getting used to exceptional value. How should I have priced my books to earn that magic 10 cents a word? According to my calculations, I should have put summer in December on at $6.60, which frankly does not seem to be too much. But my sample is quite small, not statistically significant, so I had a conversation with my mate and friend of the show, Nick, who not only publishes RuneQuest material on drive-thru, but as community ambassador for Chaosium, helps other creators get their work published. Among his own work is the fabulous adventure Duel at Dangerford. That's a platinum bestseller, selling over a thousand copies. It's about 12,500 words, selling for £3.95, so I think he's earned over 10p a word from that one. 
His campaign Black Spear, for which I was a victim, I mean playtester, was 78,000 words. That's only a gold bestseller. Currently, it hasn't been available for as long as Dangerford. And by my calculations, he hasn't hit 10 cents a word yet. But he would be close if he was keeping all the creators cut at that $20 price. I know he shares the revenue 50-50 with his illustrator. So I think he's actually almost halfway there. Nick, of course, has per-page pricing advice, which we have oft quoted on this cast. He thinks that 10 to 15 cents per page is a normal range, and that's every page. I've heard people reduce their prices because they're not counting mostly blank pages or covers. Less than 10 cents per page, and you are robbing yourself. He considers up to 20 cents per page good value, only if the illustrations and cartography are good. He has a lot more experience than I, but I will say keep testing those boundaries. Sense check your prices. See what, for example, 0.8 cents per word would make a single copy of your publication cost. Nick put me on to an excellent blog from One Shelf, that's drive through owner Steve Wick, about pricing, which shares some basic analysis of their pricing experience. I will put a link in the show notes, but there were some key takeaways. Sales seem to fall off a cliff after $20 or so, so only break this price barrier if you are very confident of the appeal of your work. But there is a lot of room to play below $10 and from $11 to $20. And I think we creators should try and nudge our prices higher within those ranges for the sake of the whole industry. Previously, when I railed against people giving away their work on drive-through for free or pay what you want, which means free to most readers, it was because I felt that you shouldn't undervalue your work. But now I am doubly against it because you are spoiling a seemingly ungrateful audience. You can offer discounts or free codes to struggling gamers, of course, but that should be by exception, not the rule. Charge a proper value for your work. Train the audience to expect to pay for stuff. Now, that's a really interesting look at the uh, the situation. And it's... it's... I I hesitate to to, to compliment you, but I think there's a couple of quite insightful things in there. one in particular, I think, is this idea of the the market and the mm. uh, two things. I mean, the 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 I, I hate to use the word entitled because it sounds it's yeah. quite a, it's quite a pejorative term, and it is like you're so bloody entitled. But I think there is an attitude out there, as you say in your piece, because there's a lot of decent free stuff that. Well, why, why, you know, why do I need to pay a lot for something when I can probably get it for free or very cheaply in some other way? Um, well, I mean, it touches a little bit on what we were talking about earlier about household is, you know, it, when I looked at the Kickstarter for that, it was off-puttingly expensive. I didn't buy it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the wrong attitude. You know, maybe, well, I don't know. Part of that is this whole thing is that I think 
as we said when we were talking about writers' wages, I think I should buy fewer games but spend more money on them. Um, and I think that one I missed out on on is is Household, which is a game that I think may be worth investing in, um, and maybe not buying a couple of the cheaper games, um, so that you're not spending over you know in your annual gaming budget, which we all have, don't we? An annual gaming budget which I account for to the penny. I, I never go over. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, I, yeah, I think, I think there's a thing there that because we're being trained to find good free stuff or cheap stuff, uh, we're not necessarily doing the whole, the whole market a favor. But so, yeah, I, but I think there is, there is a, there is an interesting point around, um, is it the the proliferation of content and there is mm. so much content now um and I, I guess if it was all priced more expensively it would become you know the competition amongst those content creators would become you know more pronounced because you'd need to be justifying charging more whereas if you're putting something into what is already a saturated market, sticking it on at a cheap price, one, it'll make get you some sales probably, but two, um, it, you know, it will feel, you know, the price is driven down by how much stuff is out there. Now, I, I completely agree with you. I think I think the idea of any creator, whatever you're doing, you know, there is a value to your work, and I think I agree with you on the, you know, putting it out for free. Or the pay what you want, which for many people is put it out for free, um, mm. is is not doing yourself as the creator the favor of you know respecting your work and the effort and time you've put into it. Um, now I know for a lot of people who create stuff and stick it up on drive through uh, or the free league workshop or wherever else they put it, they're not doing it to make money. You know, you're not going to make much money out of doing this, no matter how much you charge. Um, mm. So maybe that's another issue that, you know, I'm doing it for fun. Yeah, I'll charge a bit, but I don't really care if I get paid. Um, and actually that drives the price down as well. Yeah, so I think there is, you know, so part of the reward of doing this for, uh, not for you, Dave, because you're a pro, but for me um, is is kind of, I'm going to sound, oh, fuck, I don't, I, I don't know how to word this without sounding like a bit of a git. <laughs> I sound well, like a bit you've of a never you've never time. managed to word anything without sounding like a git throughout your entire life so far, Matt. So you know, why why stop? Yeah, worrying why stop now? now? <laughs> so, um, but part of the reason, what, do you remember years ago? We've spoken about this on the podcast before. So long time, listeners. Sorry, we're boring you here. <laughs> we put together uh, uh, songs of blood and sorrow, which was yeah. going to be our fanzine which, uh, you know, had a great adventure that um, for Judge Dredd that you nicked off Doctor Who. Uh, I mean, sorry, that you created. That I, um, I created as a homage to the great <laughs> to Tom Baker Doctor Who episode, Robots of Death. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Uh, uh, so <laughs> we, ha- we had that uh, with that. Part, part of the reason for doing that is, you know, just getting our name out there in the world of, of you know, we weren't looking to make, get rich there we just just wanted other people to share this great idea you'd had mm. um well uh, or stole depending how you how you, how you anyway 
I got I, I got my inspiration from that. And I Inspired took it and created that, yes. a yeah. Judge Dredd scenario. So, no so doctors, the reward is just there no robotic have... dogs. So there's a the thing about going out there for recognition. Part of the reason yes. we do this podcast, we do not do this podcast to make money. We do this podcast just because we want to contribute to the community. But one of one of the selfish reasons for that is we want the people to go, oh yes, I know him off that podcast. Mm. I think. Um, there, yeah, I think there definitely is a a recognition element as part of the reward for doing this and and you know being lucky enough to get you know, a bit of a viewership or a listenership. And it's like the thing we we always take the piss out of um, people who say to artists, you know, I I can't pay you cash cash money, but you know, here have some reputation. Here have some exposure. Um, yeah, exposure. That's the word I'm looking for. And exposure actually for a lot of the I'm going to call us the me that is not you the dilettante creator market yeah. is all about exposure. We just want to get exposed. I mean, not but, expose ourselves. <laughs> right. um, but, but for someone like me who's trying to do it as a professional, um, exposure doesn't allow me to smear food on my table. No, it doesn't. It get doesn't a plate, not... Dave. <laughs> doesn't allow God, me to buy a plate. The callbacks are coming <laughs> thick and fast. Um, but yeah, that so you know there is there is that thing. So exposure is reward enough, and therefore people will do stuff for free. Yeah. But even if you charge a proper amount, it doesn't stop you doing stuff for free because, uh, you know, I could uh, for any of those publications I talked about, I could charge a tenner. Whether I would or not, I'm not sure. I think I, I you know, I think I'm, I'd be inclined to put some of them up to around six, seven quid, which really doesn't sound like very much money. No. But even if, even if I priced it from the start at seven quid, I could actually say, right, seven quid, that's my list price. But I'm straight away going to put it on a sale just to get a bit of momentum going. Yeah. So you know, this month you can buy it at fifty p. Or I've got a hundred free copies I'm going to give to people who are, uh, you know, who can't afford buy stuff off drive-thru drop me a line and say you'd like a free copy and i'll just send you a code for a free copy go ahead mm. you know you can do all of that and still have it costing a tenner or, or or whatever it is that is a reasonable rate yeah and 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 so i think for me that and this is the thing that i was trying to remember earlier before we started recording about saying this is the point i want to expand on i think it's that idea that you can have a you you can value your work with a reasonable value, whatever it is. But I'm I'm convinced it's more than most of us in the community are charging for our work. You can put that value on it and say this is worth this amount, and then you can give it away. There's nothing stopping you giving it away and still charging that amount. And you know how many time how many people are going to give it away to? Well, I think you know look at. Two of the things that I've created, both roughly about the same number of words. Uh, one's available for 50p. One's available for uh, currently four quid. And the one that's four quid has sold 300 copies. And the one that's 50p has sold 400 copies. So, mm. you know, I could have made the 50p one four quid and also given away 100 copies and yeah. I'd probably, you know, have the, the same number of readers. So um, I think there's, yeah, so I think the, the point, one of the points I was going to make earlier, which clearly gone out of my mind, but it's come back now, is, like I said, there's a lot of stuff out there. But actually, for me, the things that I buy that are really good and I like them, 
if I even if I buy them, let's say you know a core book for fifty quid or something, I'll get my money's worth because mm. I will play that game and I will use that supplement or I will use that information over and again, and and so the amount of money I've spent per hour of value I gain from that product goes down to really quite small. Now, obviously, there's quite a lot of products you buy that you don't play at all, so you know that value calculation doesn't doesn't work in that situation. Um, but having you know. So I think the idea of having fewer things that you pay more money for is is fine. I don't think you can stop the proliferation of of content being put out there because people are going to do it because they want to because they love the game they do and you know for all the reasons we talked about a minute ago. Um, mm. But if you did succeed in doing that, even you would then basically be saying to some producers, either don't produce as much as you want to, or you can't produce, you know, don't produce at all. Because it's not good enough, and it's not worth, you know, yeah, it's, it's not worth paying the price we now think you should be paying for it. When before you were putting it up for one pound fifty, because it, you know, it was just a a, a vanity project or a, or a hobby or something. Yeah, but I don't, you know, as I, as I say, there's no reason why we should say to anybody, don't publish. I think we should just say, you know, give it a go. But but you know, because again, the other thing is you. You can put it out for a tenner, and if nobody buys it, you can steadily reduce the price until you find a price point where people pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you yeah. know, so I, I I think we're all too modest. And I think, so, you know, there are reasons why um, uh, the siren is, is 50p, which is that I've been paid for it. I think I'm going to put the price up for that because actually what I've realised is, although I've been paid for the words, I still haven't earned enough money for the art, for the expenditure I put out on art. Yeah. Um, uh, Summer in December is a very, well, I say very popular. I mean, in these modest terms, you heard the numbers. (laughs) But, you know, lots of people talk about it like it's a good thing. Not as many people talk about it as talk about Hope's Last Day, which is, you know, makes me feel very smug every time somebody says, I enjoyed Mm -hmm. playing Hope's Last Day. So thousands of people do that. But if we put Hope's Last Day out as some sort of community content, for free because we wouldn't have been able to charge it because it's alien anyway so when you know yeah we wouldn't even be able to even say it's alien we'd have to say for your favorite free league alien game or something um we wouldn't we wouldn't have made um either as much money as you got paid for uh doing that or we would have got nowhere near as many readers so where am i going with that i don't know where that argument's taking me except for the <laughs> fact that getting 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 it you know, getting it in the core book obviously is is a big advantage. But if you're doing community content, there's no reason to devalue your work because it's not in the core book. Giving it away for free does not mean you're going to get thousands of readers. You may no, even no. potentially get thousands of downloads, but I think a tiny percentage of the people who download it for free will actually read it. Yeah. I think there's definitely something... Um, in the, the the broader novel um, field, where putting something up for free on Amazon, for example, means it just gets overlooked. Because yeah. pe- people think if it's free, it's worthless. Why? They, why aren't they charging for it if it's if you know if it's any good? Um, but I think I think you know the, the conclusion I think we're coming to here is that whenever somebody is 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 contemplating the price point for a bit of community content, start at the higher end of your band. Of, of whatever you're thinking is your 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 band of yeah. pricing 
start at the high end. If it proves to be too much, come down a bit. I think you know using the um, the you know, the kind of the, the the page price per page guide that um, you, know, you talked about. No, I think that's yeah, a really that's a really good benchmark. And then you know start with that, and then see where that leaves you. And if it's leaving you thinking, oh, that's a bit pricey, I'll bring it down a, a dollar or two. But yeah. don't bring it. Don't I... bring it down to 90, 99 cents um, straight away. Try. You know, and start I think actually using using the page thing will will never make you. You know that page number is worked out from what people actually pay for stuff on yeah. on um, on drive through, and it it comes from some drive through knowledge, but also from Nick's experience working with all the RuneQuest stuff and thousands more copies of RuneQuest stuff are sold by Nick than our, my tiny, tiny sample size on my thing. Yeah. So I think that page thing is pretty robust. And if you put it, you know, 10 to 15 P that, that is reasonable value for most things. But what I'd say is push at that, push at that, particularly if you've got quite wordy content, you know, maybe try and break that 15p per page barrier or 15 cents per page barrier. Um, because well, I think you, you should use it as a benchmark and then just go from there. And, and by yeah. that, I mean you can you can estimate it upwards rather than downwards. Estimate you, that's what I think. Yeah. I think estimate it upwards and then come down to that price. So I think you won't have any problem selling it 10 to 15p a page, is I think yeah. what I'm saying. But yeah. but if you think you're worth is particularly if you've written a lot of words, uh, and you think it's worth more, then then price it more. You know, they sell some extraordinary books in the um, Johnstown Emporium, which is the which is the free league that I have. You know, really good word counts, mm. um, as I will have mentioned when I've recorded it. <laughs> um, <coughs> they, you know, so, you know, the market is there. People do buy PDFs. And actually, you know, there could be, you could even get print on demand because the... the the RuneQuest market supports people buying print-on-demand books. So if you've ever, yeah. you know, if you want to see your name in print and not just a PDF, then um, then work at it, and we could do that. But you're not ever going to do that by selling it for free or for pay what you or want. Or for, for for peanuts, yeah. And you're not doing the the industry any favors, and you're creating a class of gamers who are entitled and don't expect to pay anything for it. And I think that's wrong. Yeah. I don't want to be rude to them. No, but... that's what I was saying earlier. I think entitled is is the wrong word. I yeah. think it's it's people who just get used to that being the standard, or when they yeah. start buying, when they enter the market and start buying stuff, that is the standard. And then if that's what you're used to, anything more than that, you start to feel a bit hard done by. So yeah. I think you know resetting that standard to being a bit higher um, is probably what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it comes. You know, I think I'm. I... Uh, you know, I'm not holier than thou on that. I, you know, I think that's exactly the experience I'm talking about with household. Is that I thought it was too expensive, and it yeah. probably wasn't too expensive. Well, um, again, that yeah, that is the thing, isn't it? Because you don't know for sure unless it's something you you know you're going to buy. You know, like an alien fan buying Alien or Blade Runner fan mm. buying, buying Blade Runner. Um, if it's if it's a bit of a punt or it's a bit of a impulse buy. Then I think the price does matter, because if yeah. it's too high, then you know it will you know it will potentially put you off. But if you um, look at some of those uh, charts, it's a, I think it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah, you know, I, I think sales sort of fall off a cliff after twenty dollars on drive through. Yeah. 
Um, but they don't fall, you know, they, they sort of suddenly halve. Uh, and, you know, if you look at individual books, of course, they don't halve at all. And, you know, there, there's, there are some individual books over that $20 price thing that do really, really well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. But I do think generally we're all undercharging, those of us who produce content. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, agree. I think the community content pay more. Charge more. Charge more for community content. <laughs> Charge more and pay more. Yeah. As a customer. Yeah. So it's one of the things I think one of our patrons said, oh, you know, well, I use that that Nickbrook, you know, uh, 10 to 15 cents a page thing, but I didn't I didn't count the blank pages. And I think that you do. You, you, you yeah. don't see booksellers going, oh, well, that that's only got one quote on it. That's not really worth 15 cents. The fact yeah. that you've laid out that quote on there and you know chosen a quote that evokes everything you know that, that the game's about that's all work you should pay just as much for that page as you pay for all the other pages <laughs> yeah right rant yes. over cool rant over and show over i guess no that was a good that's a good a good um a good treatment of the issue matt well done Cool. cool. What are we doing? So um, I don't know what we're doing next week, except I will. Well, not next week. I know exactly what I'm doing next week. I'll be at Essen. And the week afterwards, I will possibly have a report from Essen. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we'll get you to do a report from Essen, probably as part of World of Gaming. Um, we don't have anything as a main part of the show for next time, but I'm sure we will come up with something in the meantime. I noticed, uh, by the way, that our... Um, uh, you know, we've got a bit of spending money in our account for stuff off community content. Maybe mm. having, maybe having, you know, scalded our community creators <laughs> this episode, uh, we should uh, we should reward them by buying some stuff. Uh, have you got time? I'm not going to have time to review it before the next program. Though, have you got time to read some stuff? If I get, you know, three or four um, things for you, I, I, it's probably going to be easier to prepare an essay frankly okay right I'll have, a th I'll have a think i'll come up with something um yeah don't worry dave we've, will we've, come up with something we've, we've never let That's you down what will so happen far in two so. weeks time anyway anyway all right um i think we're probably done for today don't you yeah absolutely we're, we're done <laughs> we're done so it's uh it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him and may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.